call attention, ladies and gentlemen. We're now arriving in Detroit. Once again, this is Detroit Woodward Street Station. And thank you for riding Amtrak. Ready? Yes, sir. Uh, welcome to the Wisendell Weekly Wrap-Up, uh, where we talk about architecture, design, everything in between, and community leaders. This week, we're still in Detroit, here at the Washington Projects, beautiful gallery out here. Um, and I have a very, very special guest with me this week. Go ahead, you can introduce yourself. Thank you, thank you, FM. Um, Daniel A. Washington, <laughs> uh, president and founder of Northwest Gilbert Cares, as well as co-founder and chief marketing officer of Detroit Dell. Nice, nice. Um, which one came first, Northwest Goldberg or Detroit? Man, believe it or not, they almost came at the same time. Oh, really? You know, but Northwest Goldberg Cares, crazy backstory about that, just is, you know, when I first started it, it was when I graduated college in like 2014. Okay. And it went by the name of Original Creativity. Um, and the thought was to do art enrichment program for uh, underserved youth. And it just kind of went from that and me being super passionate about that because I've always joked and said, I'm not an artist, I'm an artist appreciator which basically just means I don't create art, but I appreciate art. Yeah. So in high school, like one of my buddies, man, he customized shoes, like, you know, all the stuff now yeah, where yeah, yeah. you see dudes customizing, you know, got guys like Mache and other dudes who are super cold out in the industry, kind of send the standard. But my buddy in high school, his name was Lawrence Stout, shout out to him. And, you know, he came to me like, hey man, like I can customize shoes, but I ain't got no money to buy paint. I'm like, what? Like, let me see. So, you know, went ahead and gave him like $45, went to Michael's, bought the paint that, you know, wouldn't rub off the shoes. Yeah. Customized me a pair of shoes. And I was like, oh yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> let's get it on. So ever since then, I've been telling myself, like, I'm not an artist, but I appreciate <clears throat> art. So yeah. I appreciate art from afar and up close as many times as I can, but yeah, I'll never claim to be an artist myself. Yeah. And yeah. Th that's what the original name was? Yeah, it was Artists Original Creativity. Then I dropped the Artists because I ended up finding out that that was a company in like Europe that owned it. And I was like, ooh, I don't want a lawsuit. You know, yeah, he right, was mad. Right. <laughs> Cause I had a logo and everything. I had started the Facebook page. But yeah, went by Original Creativity. And, and like I said, the idea was that, you know, everything from the standpoint of art is creative, right? So the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you hold yourself, the way you compose, everything. Like, Absolutely. I wanted kids to have an understanding of art from a more holistic approach and not yeah. just be oh art is you know me painting or art is you know me doing comics or art yeah. is me playing video games but really understand like everything from the way you dress yeah. is literally art yeah um but it just the, whole, the holistic approach correct the holistic yeah. approach and because again i feel like far too often our black and brown kids especially in the inner city we have such a skewed understanding of art mm -hmm. um because you know you think about it even like you hear the story about big sean i don't know if you heard about that like big sean used to get from according to all reports that i know like big sean used to get bullied right like yeah. at cast tech because he was into art he was into rapping like people didn't necessarily vibe with it at the time right his yeah. rap style wasn't necessarily attractive so you know i wanted kids to understand like you can embrace art in every facet of your life but with everything that's happening in the state of Michigan and really across the nation with the art programs that were just, you know, cut due to public funding, it just didn't make sense financially, right? It was just like I'm pouring all this money into trying to convince, you know, DPS to let me come in and spend some time with these kids and, like, show them the different side of art and it's just not working out. So right. uh, I did that, had an art gallery, and kind of it's funny because, like, what pivoted into my neighborhood in Northwest Goldberg Cares and what now has become is, you know, I had a gallery. And I used to have a photo studio out in Pontiac called Men's Studios, and then we switched to Detroit Adelier. And my photographer at the time, um, she was out cold, and she still is cold, but we're no longer <laughs> in business together, whatever. Um, we actually did an art gallery at Detroit Clothing Circle, which I don't know if you know where that's at, but Detroit that's what? right there in Midtown, right okay. there in Midtown. So gotcha. at the corner of like Second and uh, I want to say it's like near the Slows, and, and, and it was a dope. Shout out to Michael and his wife. Uh, they have a clothing circle resale shop, and 
essentially we had a gallery and the gallery was to depict the beauty and art around the brokenness of Detroit or the neighborhoods, right? Okay. So we went ahead, me and my photographer at the time, we went ahead and drove around and just like shot all these beautiful portraits of just like, people call it room porn, but I'm gonna tell you why it wasn't room porn, right? For us, it was about storytelling of what is the beauty behind this, right? Sure. The beauty is not in seeing a abandoned building. The beauty is what this building could be or what this house could be or the stories that you could tell if you talk to the people who live there. And that was really the whole mission behind the gallery. And I mean, it did well. Like I think that night we had like, 16 to 17 pieces and we sold at least half of them that night and nice. people was interested after and after i was kind of said i'm like whoa people are interested in this and again it wasn't just your basic quote-unquote room porn like i actually as a journalism major i wrote a little a little story caption right that yeah. told a story about what i was what i wanted you to interpret or perceive under and it gravitated to people and people was like oh this is dope so after that i just started thinking about it. i'm like look i'm a privileged black kid in the city of detroit front of the city of detroit living in this neighborhood that is so just in need of some real energy and some yeah. real just fresh blood from the standpoint of saying like new ideas fresh concepts and really some wherewithal to get it done yeah and and after a while i just sat back i'm like look it ain't enough for me to be out here caring about art from this large mac macro perspective of you know going in infiltrating the schools i said sure. i need to care about the landscape of my neighborhood and yeah. that's the birth of northwest goldberg cares right it's just how can i use art or my love for art from afar by way of beautification by way of improvement right going back to the whole room porn like look at this building and you see it's a, a desolate place and it's a place of you know anguish for a lot of community members how can you bring that back to life right mm -hmm. how can you be creative in thinking about what do people want, goods and services that they need. How can we do that? And, and believe it or not, that's what kind of gifted Northwest Goldberg cares. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, you do you do a lot of me on that one. You know, yeah. first, I guess the main important thing is what do you think of Detroit too? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen, listen. I'm just being well, honest I mean, with you. It was that. good, but I'm gonna be honest with you. I still like. Big Sean project two times ago, you know. Oh, yeah, I think that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. my dark twisted. Is that no, 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 Kanye. no. Uh, Paradise. What okay. Is, yeah, that one. I just think that that one had a little bit more stand power for me. Um, but mind you, I, I respect it because I know that it was a playoff his first Detroit, sure, um, which sure. was a mixtape at the time. Yeah. But you know, I just think Big Sean is one of those artists that you know, like him, love him, hate him. I appreciate what he does. Yeah. Um, for of course. the city. Yeah. yeah. That, that, the that's the same with Chance out in Chicago. Like, I, yeah. I love him, hate him. Like, he's doing a lot. And like, exactly. you, can't, you can't fucking hate on that regardless. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I think what, with what you were saying about how art is almost um, almost uh, exclusive, right? Mm -hmm. Where it should mm -hmm. be more inclusive. And I think a lot of people always feel like it happens behind closed doors. And oh, yeah. it's like a privilege to see certain artwork and things like that. And, and I think breaking down those... Uh, those stereotypes are super important too. So, so this is my thing about art and why it's not accessible. And I'm gonna be very honest with you, man. And people don't want to talk about it because, of course, it sounds like I'm race baiting or things like that. But it's true. It's like art. Art requires access, right? And yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, let's be honest. We're we're sitting in a room that we would both agree is beautifully designed. But I can bring you ten other people back to back to back that'll say, "What the hell is this? This is a yeah. waste of time, right? Like this is doing nothing for me." And that's why I'm saying that it's about access. Is that for those who don't have access and income, they can't afford to miss. Right. When I go to work, I need a check. Yep. And artists, in a lot of respects, can afford that this piece doesn't resonate with somebody. Yep. So it's going to sit in my yard or it's going to sit in my studio. It's going to sit in my penthouse until it moves, if ever it does. Yeah. And if it doesn't, it becomes a part of me that now I even have more affinity and love for it. 
And it's not a bad thing, but it is something that you have to think about from a very systematic approach, in my opinion, especially as a person of color, right? Mm -hmm. Is when I think about art, even like the art park, you're very familiar with that project. Yep. You know, we did a did an art park in the neighborhood, took a, a formerly blighted piece of land that was owned by the land bank and converted it to a beautiful safe space that welcomes art. Like we're looking to partner with the DIA, right? Mm -hmm. Why is that important to me is because, like I said, for a lot of African-Americans, for a lot of underprivileged individuals, they don't have the opportunity to take a Friday night off and say, I'm going to the DIA today. Yeah. So guess what? I'm going to bring the damn DIA to you if I can, right? Right. And that's the important part about it is that art can be inclusive and it should be, but I understand why systematically it isn't. Because like I said, it takes a different type of person to appreciate something that very well could be hit or miss for some sure we don't have opportunities in the black community yeah. to hit or miss like i said you go to work your check better be here you yeah. know what i'm saying like yeah if i if i do this on third i need to see some result out of it art is not like that right art is a very subjective thing so yeah i just think that that's one of those things that, like you said it's like unfortunately we, we're living in a day and age where i think art has become more accessible right mm -hmm. you look at stuff that virgil is doing you look at stuff that kanye has been able to do you look at things like that where you know these guys are intentionally collaborating with certain individuals right or certain entities to hopefully in hopes of making it more accessible. Sure. And I do think there's something to be said about that too though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and going back to Northwest Goldberg, how many, you said it was established in 2017. 17. That's really when we, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, you guys are, can you, for the listeners out there who may not be familiar with Detroit, where is Northwest Goldberg located? Yeah, that's a great, great question. So <clears throat> Northwest Goldberg is right there, I'll call it central Detroit. So. A lot of people think about Detroit as east and west, and I get why. But if you really think about Detroit, to me, more critically, you'll know that Detroit is east, west, and there's also a central area, which is pretty much off of Woodward. I feel like anything that's a mile to a mile and a half off of Woodward is central Detroit for the most part because okay. Woodward runs straight through. Yeah. Um, so I consider a central because we're near uh, Midtown, if you're familiar with Midtown, LaSalle mm -hmm. Gardens, North mm -hmm. Corktown, Woodbridge, and New Center. Um, we're home to some things that people very much so know about the city of Detroit. Motown music, mm -hmm. right? That's our home. That's we're home to that. Yep. Uh, if you know anything about uh, Lee Plaza and and being, I know a guy with the design background. You know Lee Plaza and 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 Mr. Lee himself was the man back in the day, right? That yeah. was that was that was Airbnb before you had Airbnb, which a yeah. lot of people don't know that. Um, so when you think about Lee Plaza and what it was for the city of Detroit at the time, and just in the world of design, you know that place was a place that people came and enjoyed and stayed and celebrities owned the apartment but also subletted it right and still owned it still retained ownership right so again it was airbnb before airbnb um and that was that's out of our neighborhood which that building you know is under contract right now with the developer so super excited about that you know nice um and then of course we're home to the old olympia which if you know anything about music again in mm -hmm. motown and just mm -hmm. the whole mm -hmm. how detroit just moves the music world whether that be house music and techno yep. Um, you know, we're home to, to the original Olympia, uh, yeah. which, you know, well, is that was that still open? Yeah. So it's not it, still open. It actually turned us into armory. National Guard is out of there now. Oh, OK, so, there you go. Gotcha. You know, after 67 riots happened, you know, which if you don't know, those are. The I mean, the, sec the, the newer Olympia. Yeah, no, the new Olympia isn't in Northwest Goldberg either. No. But, they, but, but, yeah, they did go ahead and open Little Caesars Arena, which is supposed to be, you know. There you go. A play off of it. But at the same time, like, no, nah, I mean, Little Caesars Arena, don't even get started on that. Um, <laughs> That's uh, part of development, though. Yeah, it's part of development, but it, it, it's it's the fallacy of development too, right? Which is sure. all development is good development, which that is not true. Unlike publicity, right? All publicity is good publicity in some respects, right? Yeah. Especially if you're selling something. But I don't think all good development is good development. I think that, 
you know, that's a great example of, of a development that really, truly looking back at it, I think as a, as a city and as a people, we'll look back and say, was that really the right move at this time because of its inability to be executed the way it was presented, right? And I think that that's something that, again, like not trying to be controversial, but that's really about sports in general. You know, I just mm-hmm. had this argument with a buddy recently. I'm like, you know, he was just like, well, you know, you got to understand, like when LeBron left uh, Cleveland, and he, really smart brother, um, shout out Josh, if you watch this, is, you know, he was telling me, he's from Cleveland, he was telling me how, like, he grew up when LeBron left and came yeah. back and how all of downtown Cleveland just went crazy, rightfully so. And that showed sure. the power of sports. And I said, how many LeBrons is there? Right. And I looked at him just like, how many LeBrons is there? Because that's the fallacy is that that'll happen if you build an arena. No, that'll happen if you have a LeBron James to bring in that arena or to, you know, usher in this new development sure. but otherwise an arena is just that it's an arena if your sports team is sucking yeah. or your su- sports team don't you know do what it's supposed to do <laughs> guess what yeah nobody cares like life yeah. goes on like <laughs> as much as we care about the nfl the lions trust and believe aren't impacting our economy yeah. as much as you might want to say it is you yeah. know what i'm saying shout out to the fords um so it's just one of those things where it's like you just you gotta you gotta be real man it's just it's just being real it's like not trying to be controversial, <laughs> just being honest. It's like, we got to stop. Like, there's only so many LeBrons, yeah. you know, MJs, Kobe's who can move the needle economically the way that, to me, development and developers around sports arenas like to say. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Got to well, have a good product. Was it, was it presented? You're saying that it was presented differently before? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, so, it was the whole neighborhood. I mean, you, you was going to have a whole – the district. They the did district the whole, was like, a community. They did oh, yeah. everything we, like they, that. They, yeah. they created new neighborhoods, man, at least yeah. as they proposed. They were proposing, we create new neighborhoods. There's going to be so populated. Man, they took them buildings, tore them down, and they had surface parking lots. And that's what they are now, and that's what they will be to the foreseeable future because guess what? COVID is hit, right? We're in the yeah. middle of a panty. I call it a panty. Bumper pandemic. We're in the middle <laughs> of a panty, right? <laughs> And it's like, there's much to be said about what comes with life, right? Sure. Um, you can have plans, and we talk about that too. Like, you can ideate all you want, but at a certain point, you just got to do it. And I think that, as we know, these developers are very risk adverse, even though they are taking a risk. Let that right. sink in. Yeah. They're risk adverse while taking a risk. And that risk that they're only willing, they're only willing to take a risk up until a certain amount or up to a certain point until it becomes no longer feasible for them. And it always shows in what? the the end of it right so if your goal is to build an arena first and secondary to build a neighborhood you're gonna build that arena by all costs that neighborhood ain't gonna get built per, per se right, right if right. things change if things happen if it if more money needs to be poured into that arena the neighborhood definitely about to come and that's what ended up happening so i think yeah. that again you know when we when we let go of some of the funding for our children right the education yeah. you know yeah. when, we, when we traded that in for a sports arena in downtown detroit it's just like we're going to look back at this in 10, 15 years and have regrets <clears throat> out the wazoo. Yeah. And that's only natural. Yeah, man. I, uh, we, my old man and I were watching the TV today and across the ticker, it said Pistons traded such and such, such and such. And I looked at him, I was like, do you know that guy? He's like, no, I don't know him. I'm like, okay, so why would we even care about that? Because the Pistons, I mean, they're, they're struggling, whatever. But uh, yeah. I, I've been very disconnected with sports this year because of everything that's going on. And, like, I couldn't even tell you really who's doing really well in the NFL right now, only yeah. because I just feel like there's a lot of lip service going on with that, and I feel like it's not really true to, to what's going on, authentic to what's going on. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's that's wild. Um, and you guys they have a literacy park in your yeah. Northwest Goldberg. How, how many different parks are there? So we got a total of three parks. Um, we're right now fundraising for our fourth, which, you know, uh, fingers crossed that we're able to – get some real traction on that this upcoming holiday season because that, that park, I feel like, will become our signature park in the neighborhood. Okay. Um, but we do. We have three. We have the Art Park, which is at 6102 16th Street. 
we have the Literacy Park, which is at 6134 15th Street. And then we have the last but not least, our last park, which is a covered bus shelter, um, which is called the Rest and Ride, and that's 6326 Linwood. Nice. Um, and, and, you know, these three parks we've been able to do since June of 2019, believe it wow. or not. So we have three pocket parks, you know, uh, world-class parks, in my opinion, that we've been able to accomplish in pretty much a year and some change or less. Nice. Um, which, again, it's been a big undertaking, a lot of, a lot of just days where I'm just dog tired. But the, the fulfillment I get out of it on, on, on the personal side of it is, you know, having a four-year-old niece, right, who lives in this neighborhood, who lives two doors down from the literacy park, right, mm-hmm. who literally introduces herself to those who are volunteering as, you know, my uncle put this in and yeah. my, I help my uncle. And it's like, that's what gets me excited, right? Yeah, it's like, that's sure. what's like, oh yeah, bang, like we here, yeah. we're doing this and we're going to keep doing this because it just ain't even about her, right? Like, yes, yeah, she's the motivation, but it's about any kid in this neighborhood yeah. that can literally wake up and get excited about, I have a safe space that I can now visit with my parents. I have a sure. safe space I can visit with my older brother or younger sister, whatever. And it's like, that's what I'm excited about. But yeah, the Literacy Park, super dope. Shout out to Detroit Future City for believing us. Um, mm-hmm. They gave us some funding around, I think one was like 11 grand to do the initial implementation of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of their lot designs. If you're familiar with Detroit Future City, they're mm-hmm. one of the leading Yeah, who, can you explain who, who they are? Yeah, so Detroit Future City, they're one of the leading land use uh, nonprofits in the city of Detroit. Uh, they've helped the city of Detroit kind of understand its land issue, right? So the city of Detroit is 100 plus thousand, I mean, 100 plus miles of, of, of land and, and a big portion of that is vacant, you know? So Detroit land, uh, Detroit Future City, sorry, was instrumental in really helping the city understand what could it do with all this vacant land around the city of Detroit, what it could implement for water retention, right? What could it implement to improve the sustainability of neighborhoods that they were going to invest in strategically, being the city of Detroit. So uh, they had this program called Working with Locks Program, and, and it's a great program, and it's very, very interesting in that they really empower those in their community, whether that be block clubs, nonprofits, you know what I mean, like just active community members to identify a lot, mm-hmm. take one of their already vetted out ideas for the lot. So they have, you know, about, I want to say 18 to 25 ideas already that they vetted out. They've, you know, they have everything from how to actually do the implementation to all the materials needed to an estimated budget for it. Right. And are they all site specific or are they just a pool of ideas? A pool of ideas that okay. give you parameters like where this would be great at. Right. So oh, gotcha. if they have an idea, for instance, the Holland Maze, you know, it needs to be in full sun because you're dealing with tulips. Right. Gotcha. It needs to be flat if possible. Um, they talk to you about, you know, where ideally it will be at in terms of having a rain garden. So it needs to have a structure next door to it. It doesn't okay. need to be on a vacant corner lot with no structures next to it. So again, they do a really good job and they have a whole guide, a, a, a literary booklet that they provide you. And essentially when we got a part of this program, like we had no real funding at that point. Like again, I was doing everything out the strength of my pockets for the most part. I was like, hey, I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in this community. I'm born and raised here. Like I need to put money where my mouth is. But um, at that point, they were the first people to really look at us and say, okay, we believe in your vision. We want to support you. And we were uh, granted that grant at the time. Mm-hmm. And and literally for us, it was like, okay, cool. Like we just got $11,000. Let's A, make sure we manage this money right. <laughs> B, <laughs> let's actually, you know, do a quality project. But then the third thing that really plagued me was that, you know, being a brother, back to my point of being black and brown, it's like, look, uh, public space is great, but like if it don't serve me outside of just passing by and saying that's a nice space, 
it ain't really gonna resonate with me, nor my my, my residents or my neighbors, I should say. So yeah. it was one of those things where it's like I, I was just kind of scratching my head, and, and we were kind of talking about like, you know, what are some needs that are pressing in the city? And because you know, Detroit Future City is definitely about their business too. Like they want publicity, they want you sure. know, they want to make sure that they can continue to get funding for this type of program. So they're really intentional about how are you going to program this space. The problem is the grant is only for implementation, not programming. Gotcha. So I was like, ah, that's kind of steep. Like I, I got to think of something different. So. What better way to serve the community at, at large, and that being Northwest Goldberg and all the city of Detroit, than to actually implement some things that could support literacy, right, mm -hmm. and, and literacy mm -hmm. attainment. So really the thing that we were able to do was say, okay, let's go secure another grant that supports this grant, and let's actually create a program that is all about literacy, and we were able to do that. So it is indeed a literacy park. It's the first of its kind in a lot of respects because A, we were the first Holland Maze in the city of Detroit. So we have over 1,200 tulips planted wow. on one plot of land in the city of Detroit, a 30 by 110 uh, feet. So it's, it's, it's a beautiful display. So you have how many tulips in 30 by 100? Like 1,200. 1,200 Just under 1,200. Yeah, yeah, just under 1,200. So, nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. Come come through. Um, you know, don't got to go to Holland, Michigan to go see their tulips. Come, you know, to little Northwest Goldberg. Yeah. Show us some love. Yeah. Um, and it's free. Again, it's free. Open public space. And then what we did, we added a teeny little library to the uh, actual plot, which is. Is that, is that a give a give a book, take a book type situation? Yeah. So, yeah. honestly, it's a do whatever you want with the books other than vandalize, right? Sure. Just being honest. Like, I mean, I, I tell people all the time, I mean, we're in a place in a space, unfortunately, where. I can't expect somebody to give, right? I, yeah. I gotta continue to provide, and, and I'm and I'm okay with that. And more importantly, I want others who can provide a book to do just that. But take the book, Le you know, take two books, take three books. Like we have families come out, look, take books, and I want you to because I got books in my house right now that I can't get rid of. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Where, yeah. So anyway, back to, back to the thing is, so we yeah. got that. Um, we got some bird houses for the for the kids to be able to look at because when you think about nature and you think about you know. Peaking a child's interest, right? Um, it's it's very critical, right? It's very sure. important. You can't just give a kid a book and say you don't know how to read, but figure out how to read. So yeah. it's about providing them multiple touch points to enjoy themselves on on mm -hmm. on, on their uh, during their time there on the actual park. And then we also have a seating area where it's some rubberized mulch, which that's just reused tires. That yeah. is pretty much the standard for um, playscapes and play 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 parks and things like that. So we were able to get a nice circular oval. Um, seating area for the kids to be able to read in and then last but not least we're adding um, we're adding a actual tough shed to be able to store all this stuff and be able yeah. to then have snacks and stuff for the kids when they come out but during this pandemic is it's just been amazing because we, we took our literacy program virtual right oh, wow. and, and taking it virtual was an experience in itself because you know at the end of the day we didn't really know what type of turnout we'd have but Believe it or not, people was actually tuning in and enjoying it. So we're really hoping to formalize that a little bit more this year. Um, yeah. We have a young lady that's in the neighborhood who's an instructor. Shout out Audra. Um, she's off of 14th Street in the community who, that's what she does. She loves, you know, music. She loves, she's she's actual a very skilled and ta talented um, instrumentist and, and singer. And, you know, for us, it's like, okay, how can we create a really robust program that really is doing what we say we wanted to do, right? Mm -hmm. like it was cool doing it online and just having a little feed on Facebook that people can tune in if they wanted to, but it's a whole other thing when you come correct and you provide a real laid out curriculum for the children, wherever they're at, if they can come in person, if they can't, to enjoy and learn how to read. So that's what we're yeah. about in 2021. Yeah, man, that's a lot. And, and I think the pandemic definitely changes everybody's plans, right? And this year it was, it's been ridiculous and, uh, I just know that a lot of the nonprofits are definitely trying to go more analog a little bit more because the there's a um, 
uh, digital divide that's true too that everybody always has to make sure to be aware of and not assume that people can have access to these things which is always important um and then switching over to detroit doe well yeah. how, how is uh what i guess the whole background like how did you even start that or think man, of it? man 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 that's a great 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 point uh so detroit doe man edible cookie doe man i'm gonna be honest with you uh you know it was not and is not a passion of ours yeah um, i have two business partners um and, you know, for us, it's really just about the opportunity that we saw in the marketplace at the time, right? So when you think about edible cookie dough and the craze that's happening in New York and, and, and really any major city, you saw cookie dough at 2016, 2017 just spike. Like, everybody wanted it. Everybody wanted to be a part of it. Everybody wanted to have a shop in their hometown. And for us, it was like, yeah, we want to join that wave because, A, it's an opportunity, but, B, the city of Detroit deserves something like that too, right? And what better name than Detroit Doe, right? Yeah. That's a double entendre, right? Detroit yeah. Doe as in the cookie dough, Doe as in the money. But yeah. we yeah, focused yeah. on the cookie dough, so ain't no <laughs> ambiguity out there regarding that. But with that being said, you know, we were like, okay, this would be dope. This would be sweet. Let's try to open up a shop in our neighborhood. Let's give back to our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And that didn't work out. You know, mm -hmm. it was just one of those things where a piece of property that we needed, the city was holding on to. Yeah. It just wasn't feasible to try to build a alternative, you know, construction with the whole shipping container at the time. Sure. We were a little ahead of the curve for the neighborhood. So I actually just in the middle of the night hit up, you know, the CEO of one of the largest Michigan-based movie theaters. And the rest is history. We were the first yeah. to put edible cookie dough in movie theaters in the nation. Um, we were in ballpark stadiums previous to the pandemic. We were at the Big House, Little Caesars Arena, yeah. United Shore Professional Baseball League, uh, MJR Movie Theaters. Like We were well on our way to becoming the Midwest company and, and potentially national company that we wanted to be. But unfortunately, due to the pandemic, it just things just fell off from the bottom. Oh, um, yeah. We're still around, but at the same yeah. time, there's really less of a priority on the business just because we understand that. We just we things aren't going to be back to normal anytime no, they're soon. Not. You know, no. and, and where we made our bread and butter and what made us truly different is where we were selling it at. And since those avenues and those places aren't open, it really is very little for us to do. Um, a lot of people always ask me, why not in grocery stores? When was the last time you went to a grocery store and wanted edible cookie dough? You haven't. You go to a grocery <laughs> store and you get Nestle or Toll House or you get the ingredients to make your own at home. Yeah, yeah. Even if you are gonna put it in the oven, I'm guaranteeing that you're gonna bite off a a, a, a chunk or two, which is ultimately why it never was supposed to be in the, in the grocery stores, right? So yeah. it's just one of those things where, unfortunately, you know, we're a casualty of the pandemic, but we're still kicking and still going. And to that point, you know, one thing that we did, which I'm, I'm most proud of us as a unit, as a team, being three black kids from Detroit, is that we were able to get 5% of all sales back to our neighborhood. Nice. So we poured more than 18 grand into our neighborhood, right? That's awesome. Um, you could do the math there in terms of what was our revenue and things like that, but it's like, you know, we were able to really pour directly back into our neighborhood, and that's what helped has helped fund a lot of the projects that I've already kind of talked about, right? Yeah. Um, and, and we're just continuing to just figure out ways to support, you know, by way of our social media pages that, you know, have a large, decent following. Um, you know, the founders, you know, really just being really vocal about the need for black empowerment and really the need for black businesses to step up and play a role in the revitalization of neighborhoods that they come from, right? Yeah. So, you know, at the time I had this joke all the time, I'm like, look, before Detroit Doe started, Nobody even know what the name of my neighborhood was, just being honest with you. Even the people in the neighborhood. Like, yeah, old, old heads knew, but, like, new businesses that started in the last, you know, five, ten years, they had no idea what our neighborhood was called. You know, it's not, it's not like Corktown where you, you open a business in Corktown, you tell everybody, I'm in Corktown, right? Yeah, There's yeah. pride that comes with that. Sure. Nobody had pride with Northwest Goldberg. Yeah. And I think now there is a little bit more of the pride that's happening and people are really more excited about, like, hey, 
I, I am a part of a neighborhood that has a history that has, you know, these things that I've always known about. I know about Motown, but I didn't know where Motown was. I just knew it was off of West Grand Boulevard. Like, mm-hmm. that was literally the thing. And I'm pretty sure you mm-hmm. you say, yeah, that's what it was for you, right? You knew where Motown was, but, like, you didn't say, oh, Motown was in North Coast You said, oh, Motown off West Grand Boulevard? Oh, yeah, I know where that's at. Yeah. You heard before? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. it's like now because of Detroit Doe and because of the branding, um, shout out to myself for the branding, it's like now Northwest Goldberg is a known commodity in the city. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, sometimes love you got to pat yourself on the back, bro. Fuck you know how I love it. Yeah, you got to pat yourself on the back. Well, well, I mean, you're saying about how, you know, different developments in the city, and we talk about, we've mentioned Detroit Land Bank for a couple mm-hmm. times. Um, how has that kind of changed since you've been getting into more of the purchasing and selling? Like, how, yeah, how have crazy. you seen it? Yes, because there are a lot of people who have still. I remember, I don't know, I don't know how many years ago it was. They were just made national news that there was a couple or a group that was just buying up everything and just not doing anything with it. And yeah. I'm like, that's okay. Like, I guess you can't really hate the player, or hate the game. You know what I mean? Correct. But at the same time, like, that's that's unfortunate that there's people out there that still do that. So I think I think Detroit real estate is just still in a very very precarious situation, a precarious place, right? I think that. It's really hard for somebody who's not from Detroit to understand it, you know. I mean, I think you even notice being from Detroit and just being well traveled that you understand like you got a house in Boston Edison that's going for four, five hundred thousand dollars that if in any other major city we'd be going for three million dollars, right? And I'm talking about current condition. I ain't talking about with any improvements. I mean, as is we'll be going for one to three million dollars easily. And unfortunately that's just Detroit. Like I don't know what it is about Detroit that I mean, I, I wish I had the magic answer because I'm pretty sure, like, I would be ahead of the curve even more than I feel like I am. But it's like Detroit is just in this weird space where it's like the property values are not where they should be. People don't really have an understanding of, like, how to spur economic development outside of the designated areas that have already been deemed, you know, developable or investable. Um, and it's just one of those things where it's like you, you really have to either be connected to it, right? Uh, either you have to have a passion, like, for instance, you, you know, mm-hmm. off of Gilbert Street. You, mm-hmm. you, you have some requisite understanding of it. You have a connection to it. It's personal for you. So whatever you do there will, A, probably end up being great. But, B, it'll probably spur some type of interest from those around you because why? The prodigal son is coming back, right? Or at least, right, you right. know, a guy who knows what he's doing who used to be on his block is here now. Um, and that's kind of my, my story, my situation in some respects. But I think in general, development across city in general is just it's the man mad west right it's like yeah i literally get these notifications every day off red redfin or red red redfine however you say it you know i don't even know how to <laughs> i call it redfin bro shout out redfin y'all great y'all the best real estate you know website <laughs> I, I know about but uh you go to redfin and it's like you'll look at a house that you know needs work not even in a designated area that's going for like 40 50 dollars and you'll look in the same neighborhood same zip code same everything going for like 150 and it's like where and that'll be like contingent or pending sale and it's just like mm-hmm. who's buying this like why are you buying this who's buying this and like what is the real game here so i just be honest with you i think detroit's real estate is just all over the place i mean you got your yeah. you got your areas that i think are pretty much established i mean your downtowns your midtowns your island view which don't even start on that that's that's the wild wild west right now um you know your west village indian village your historical districts but like Detroit is just in a very weird place right now, man. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's some real interest in the area. And I think there's some real interest in the city and being a part of the city. But I think that that still comes with more time that's needed. I mean, I tell people all the time, like, I think Detroit is still another 10 to 15 years of, like, continuous development before it really is at a part where we can really say, like, this city has really come back to any respects. Like, I mean, yeah, is there some real bright spots in the, in the city of Detroit? Of course, but that's anywhere, right? I mean, yeah. you know what they say about a broken clock, right? Um, right it's just right. one of those things where it's like, I mean, I think that we have some really gems and great things, but 
overall, we still have a long way to go. Yeah, long way to go for sure. And I know that we were talking about uh, Bedrock before this. I mean, and all the great things that they're. I mean, if you look at their website, their portfolio is huge, man. man they I have love so it. many companies, so many fucking properties. Yes. Like, they're, 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 again, someone, I don't want to steal your thunder, but again, someone who had the vision. Yes, right? yes, and was, yes. Had that vision. Can you speak more on that? Yeah, man, I'm telling you, like, first and foremost, you know, shout out to Dan Gilbert. Um, he, his, him and his team have done great things for, for me personally. When I say that, I mean, like, being a, a business owner of Detroit Doe, we've won Demo Day, right? Um, we, we were one year into our business and we were able to be a part of one of the largest, if not the largest pitch competition in the state of Michigan being Demo Day. Uh, we placed second and, and won a, enough seat money to really what's set it, us what's up. It, what, what, what is Demo Day? Yeah, so Demo Day is, yeah, Demo Day is, um, is a philanthropic, uh, philanthropic, sorry, yeah, arm good. of Dan Gilbert's company, um, Bedrock or, or Quicken Loans that uh, has done a pitch competition around really small businesses in the city of Detroit and some businesses outside city Detroit who want to come to the city of Detroit to be able to earn and win real money. Like I'm talking about real capital. We ain't talking about no five, ten thousand. Which shout out to those who are doing that. I think sure, those are sure. great. But I'm saying like yeah, yeah. they're starting at fifty to you know go up to three hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of funding that could really propel and, and jumpstart your business or really fortify what you got going on right now, right? Yeah. So when you think about scaling a business like us, when you're talking about having one movie theater with twelve locations to five movie theaters with 60 locations, you need that capital. And you, and being honest, again, not trying to be controversial, black and brown people can't go in the bank like our white brother and, and just say, hey, I got a business idea, go ahead and you know give me yeah, this line yeah. of credit. So yeah. um, like I said, Dan Gilbert has done things like that, that again, I just, I, I personally don't get the hate. I'll just be very honest. I, I've said it before and I'll say it again, you know, I think that far too often people laugh at a vision and then when it manifests or come to fruition, they start to envy the vision. I think that that's really what has happened with Dan Gilbert, right? Yeah. The dude had a vision and you know, 2009 or seven that, hey, the city of Detroit, you know, didn't need to necessarily be saved, but there was an opportunity here that he could take advantage of. And he did just that. And I, and I commend him for it. Yeah. And um, one thing I say, and I've, I've literally pressed this to people who be like, oh, I damn covered that. I'm like, have you been in one of those buildings? Yeah. I said, and when have you ever complained about the quality of which he's rehabbed the building? I can't. I don't. Exactly. So shut up. Like, not trying to be rude, but shut up. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You can't be mad at somebody who's doing good, well by, by, a project and by the people that have to deal with it right sure. so if we as everyday detroiters interact with downtown go to work downtown and we mm -hmm. ain't complaining about a building falling down and rats and, and roaches in and out of people building what are we complaining about you know right. what I mean? at a certain point that's just envy right and that's just you being a hater yeah and you really don't need to understand like you yeah. stop hating and start working on what you got to work on right <laughs> right implement some of his stuff and i mean honestly i have implemented his stuff and that's even yeah. more the reason why i'm very not passionate but i'm very much so about like really being fair and understand like Dan Gilbert's role in the city's revitalization. Like if his approach was taken by community members and community leaders, I think that our city would be a better city because why? Now you have people who are saying, look, we need to push out all of this risk, right? We need to push out all of these things that are holding back our community and we need to own our community and we need to invest in our community. We need to set a standard for our community. And I understand it's hard and I'm, not, I'm, I'm breaking this down on a very, very simple sure, term sure. that I'm not even getting into complexities. But what I am speaking to though is the level of excellence and really understanding that there is a method of madness to this man, right? Mm -hmm. This man is not a billionaire just because of happenstance and because of white privilege solely. Yes, white privilege does play a role, but there's a lot sure. of other things that also play a role that Absolutely. we have to, you know, give some credence to. So that to me is kind of 
where I'm at with that is just, you know, I, I admire what he's been able to do. And like I said, I've taken that same strategy with my neighborhood, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. When I look at buying in my block and what my dad, the edict that my dad gave to me or what my dad kind of laid out for me as a child, trust and believe. I picked up that mantle and started running as fast as I can. Yeah, definitely. You know? And is there, uh, I know in Chicago we have aldermen's and their municipality like, I, would there be kind of an alderman of Northwest Goldberg? Do you guys have that? No, no, no. We don't have an alderman. I mean, I know that some people joke and play and say that. Um, I, I kind of take offense to it, to be honest with you, because if, yeah. if there is going to be an alderman, it needs to be somebody who actually is from oh, the neighborhood. Oh, people call you that, you said? No, 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 no. I say oh. people joke and say that about other people in the neighborhood. You know, you, you can guess what I'm saying. They, they typically don't look like me. Gotcha, uh, they usually gotcha, gotcha. come in and because, you know, they either own a big enough swath of land or because yeah. they've been here one day before the person who came here yesterday they gotcha, think that gotcha, you know, gotcha. but at the end of the day there's no shade to them but it's just like hey like no like I, I think that we don't have that system here in Detroit or in Michigan but I do think that if we were to have a system like that or if we were to jokingly say that then it definitely needs to be somebody that's a pillar of the community and I think yeah. that that even supersedes me right like I'm not older yeah. I'm 27 years old man like I'm talking about somebody who's been here for 50 60 years yeah. who have the knowledge and, 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 and literally the understanding of where this neighborhood has been like that yeah. that's what I'd like to see if somebody yeah, was no, to be I, I was just way. curious because because that person would then know kind of larger scale, like what, and, and help yeah. people like nonprofits and people like yourself to, to yeah. really manage and really navigate some of these waters. So that's why I was just yeah. curious. No, we got district managers. District we, managers. Yeah, we have right. district managers, yeah. which again, our districts are huge. Like we're part of district five and that's the biggest district in, in, in the city of Detroit. So like gotcha. we literally part of our district is all the way on the east side, right? Which again, we're, we're a central neighborhood, but we, our west side gotcha. we're on the west side of woodward but it's just like yeah like and we then, got district managers do you know the district manager i mean yeah, do, no do you, personally is it a um is it always been someone that's been part of the community obviously no 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 not at all i mean they're more or less on the economic side in a lot of ways they say community but they're you know the city the uh, the mayor's office appoints them first and foremost right so they're not necessarily from the actual neighborhood or they're not from a specific neighborhood because again they encompass so many neighborhoods but usually it is somebody who's from at least the city of detroit but they might have been you know 10 years away just now coming back for the job opportunity in a lot of respects which mm -hmm. i know a couple have done that um but we do have our we have great relationships with our district manager we have great relationships with our councilwoman mary sheffield um, shout out to her office have always been supportive of the work that we're doing have always been supportive by way of actually not only just like actually being there and listening to us but actually putting money where their mouth is and forcing you know some financial support from the city of detroit which i think has been amazing for us so yeah i mean I, i'm we're definitely connected as a nonprofit, which i appreciate so we don't ever feel like we're out here on an island completely yeah yeah, um, yeah. but but yeah, yeah it, that's yeah. good you have the support of that too correct correct yeah. 100%. um as i was mentioning it's probably gonna come out in december i mean uh, any any goals or for 2021 anything uh Man, just, look up for? Yeah, just trying to continue to, man, just continue to hustle, man. As you know, I got a couple projects that's going on. Got a building, commercial building that I'm, I'm really trying to, you know, make sure is tight and right by the middle of next year. And when I mean that, I mean like actually being able to launch a business out of that, whether that be just a venue and, and a safe space for, again, I'm, I'm all about safe spaces, as you know, a uh, safe space for events that can be held in a, in a unique, cool, different vibe and environment. Yeah. I've also got a house I'm in the middle of rehabbing. Uh, my first residential project to this scale and this magnitude mm -hmm. um, and just really just want to make sure that I go into 2021 better than I left 2020. You know what I mean? I think far too often, I don't want to get again too controversial, but I think during this pandemic, you know, one thing that I have appreciated during this time is really just being able to at one point stop because everybody stopped, right? Like right. you can't mute or pause life, but I would say that for those who are in healthy and in good shape, we truly did experience for the first time, maybe and probably the last time in our adult life, a real pause in society where it really is like, okay, yeah, you got a job. And even if you don't have a job, but if you do got a job, 
much ain't expected of you right now. And you really can figure some things out that you otherwise couldn't. So I think oh, that yeah. for me, it was like taking advantage of that and even taking advantage of this, this new shutdown that we got coming up tomorrow, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. three weeks that we all know once the new you know president is in office, we will be seeing a, probably another national shutdown. It's like, how do you take advantage of this going into the new year, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that far mm-hmm. too often, or, or going into the new year, because when he's in office, it will be the new year. It's like, that's what I'm more thinking about, right? I'm thinking about that every day. Like, how can I get better? Like, I think I told you, and I've shared this before to share with everybody, is that, you know, I started the house project at the beginning of the pandemic on purpose. Like, I was sent at the crib, Detroit Doe, as far as I'm concerned, at that point, from what I thought was, like, all but <laughs> over. It's like, here's an opportunity now for me to actually spend some time that I can account for in this way that I don't have to account in other ways, and I can make this happen, and I did that. So, yeah. really grateful for that. I mean, I'm really grateful for just the place I'm in right now. Um, for, for, for the most part, it's just been humbling to see like what truly comes out of these type of situations right a pandemic right Mm -hmm. having Mm -hmm. so much loss and so many people who are whether that be your super right wing or super left wing and you don't agree with it you do agree with it you think that we need to have all these restrictions like cancel all that out and think about what i need to do and and once i've created that plan and that idea i execute on it and that's really what's important to me right now nice well, man, dude, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, yo. I look forward to seeing your progression. And, Thanks, you know, bro. obviously we're, we're here as a resource and uh, looking forward to 2021 for sure. Appreciate it. Thanks, bro. Love it's man. been a pleasure, man. And, uh, and much success to you all. I'm loving what you're doing, man. Continue the great work. And we're going to keep working on these projects, man. Cool, man. Thank you. Thank you. Peace.